0: Hello, I'm Scott Suskovic, Senior Pastor at Christ Lutheran Church. I want to invite you to check out our website, ChristELCA.org. And join us at worship. We have four different, very unique campuses. So glad you're here. Enjoy this podcast. Before I get into the text this morning, let me just say uh, very briefly, uh, by now you have received the then notice about Pastor Drew leaving us. I can talk about him because he's at Christ South today, <laughs> and you know what—an uh, incredible gift that he has been for these seven years. And uh, boy, I'm going to miss him personally a lot. Enjoyed his ministry, his wisdom, and um, and all that he brought to the table. It's it's really difficult, even selfish, to be too sad when he's going to be going into the Navy to be a chaplain. Good for him. Well done. huh? Well done. We, uh, we applaud him and um, thank him for his service, not only to the gospel, but also to our men and women in uniform. So we're going to have a big party for him sometime. I'm not sure when. His last Sunday is going to be January 2nd. January 2nd. So we're going to figure out some way to really kind of thank him. But as... Um, as one who has left two previous congregations, let me just give a word of encouragement. It's really nice to hear from the congregation. Send him a letter, take him out to lunch, buy him a beer, whatever, to get together with him and let him know about the deep impact that he has made on this church and you personally. I know that 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 will go a long ways, and uh, I know he'll deeply appreciate that. I also need another pastor. So, <laughs> I've got a call committee together, and uh, we'll work with the Synod, and, um, but really, most of the time, it's going to happen through word of mouth, uh, serendipitous, providential ways that we get named. So, who do you know? Who's a great pastor at your brother or sister's church that we can talk to? <laughs> now, it doesn't have to be just ELCA Lutheran. Well, we're, we're able to call somebody in what we call the full communion partners. Full communion partners. There's about six or eight churches in there like Methodist, Presbyterian Church, USA, UCC, Moravian, uh, Reformed Church in America. There's a few other ones so, if you're not sure, you can reach out to me and see if that person is, is part of that full communion apartment. But probably that person will come from the Lutheran church as well. So keep your ears and eyes open. See how the Spirit's working. The text for this Reformation Sunday is from John chapter 8. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. I love do-it-yourself projects at home, which is a kind way of saying that I overestimate my abilities I um, underestimate the cost, and it takes me about twice as long as it really should. But I enjoy doing that. So whenever I hear, you know, somebody taking on a big task, like building their own cabin in the woods, I've got a million questions. They've got me at hello. <laughs> but, uh, but my first question is, can I help you? Um, love to figure that out. But I did read about a guy who did just that. He took the summer off because he bought a piece of property and he wanted to do his own thing. He wanted to build his own small cabin. And so after three months, he cleared the land and he leveled the lot and he laid out the plumbing and he poured the concrete. After three grueling, sweaty months, he looked back and he had a slab of concrete there in the middle of the woods. And it was discouraging But a friend of his came up and slapped him on the back. He said, great job. The hard work is over. You have a solid foundation. Now you can just throw up the house. No problem. It's really true that the foundation makes all the difference. If you've got a solid foundation in your marriage, you can weather the storm. If you've got a solid foundation with your children, they can go far get a solid foundation with your business, you can survive the downturns. If you've got a solid foundation with your faith, what will that do for you? Today's Reformation Sunday, one of my favorite Sundays out of the year, and it actually happens on the actual day, October 31st, All Hallows' Eve. That is tomorrow... Tomorrow is November 1st, which is All Saints Sunday. All Saints Sunday. Also called All Holies Sundays and All Holies Day. All Hallows Day. So the day before is the eve. All Hallows Eve, or as we know it, Halloween. Now Martin Luther on this day, 1517, was not so much concerned with goblins and ghosts, jack-o'-lanterns and candy. But on that day, he took his 95 Theses, nailed them on the Wittenberg Chapel door, a protest against the sale of indulgences for the forgiveness of sins. That really marked the beginning of the Reformation. The Catholic Church called it the Protesters' But now it came to be known as the Protestants' Reformation. So today on this Protestant Protesters' Reformation, we can look at it from a lot of different angles. We can talk about indulgences. We can go historical and talk about the corruption of the church at the time. We can go psychological about Luther's issues with authority figures like the Pope and the church stemming back to his problems with his father hans luther but instead on this day i want to talk about it from the standpoint of a foundation as we look back to the reformation what is that foundation upon which we still stand today now to do that we have to go way back Um, From the time of Jesus to about the time of 300, for three centuries, there was awful persecution against Christians. The blood of the martyrs was spilled often, violently and frequently. So much that one early church father had this important quote that really rang true. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. That was from Tertullian the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Because what they found during those three centuries is that the oppression and the persecution didn't dampen the spirit of the church, didn't weaken the church, in fact, just the opposite. It was in that persecution, the blood of the martyrs actually strengthened the church so that it it continued to thrive during that difficult time. And then, when Constantine became a Christian in 313, so much of that changed. Now, some historians suggest that Constantine became a Christian because he saw a vision. That could be. Others say it was a politically savvy move to unite the empire as the Christian church is now growing and growing. So in 313, Not only did um, Christianity now become legal, but as goes the emperor, so goes the empire. And now Christianity is the official religion of the entire Roman Empire. Which means that now it's growing more in power and influence. It's going further out into all the world. In the year 800, Charlemagne on Christmas Day is crowned Holy Roman Emperor, which means now the church and the state are coming together. There's still a pope, but they're always jockeying for position about who has more power. But the church and state are now united, and that power continues to grow to the point of Martin Luther in the early 1500s that the foundation is no longer the gospel. It's no longer the cross. It's no longer the word of God. That foundation is beginning to crumble. It is being replaced with power and riches and influence. At the same time, this church that has so much power is now holding its believers as hostage with fear and shame and guilt, including Martin Luther. Now Martin Luther was a good Catholic and a good Catholic priest. He believed what he was being taught, and he was taught that you really need to build your own foundation. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. You had to build your own foundation. So with every good work, with every penance, with every confession, with every worship, with every prayer, you would take another rock and you would build that foundation so you could stand firm. Problem is, Luther never felt it was enough. His prayers were not enough. His confession left out some stuff. His worship, his mind wandered. His good works seemed hollow. If you were honest, he never loved God with all of his heart, soul, strength, and mind for five minutes of his life, and he certainly did not love his neighbor as himself. As Luther looked at this foundation that he was trying to lay, it was just shifting sand, which caused him even more dread, even more despair and even more doubt. It was that desperate condition that propelled Luther to find that solid foundation. Not in himself, but he went back. He went back to St. Augustine, the 400s. And there Augustine was even writing as an early church father and a bishop saying that, that we are justified by faith apart from works of the law. And Luther went back even then to St. Paul in the book of Romans and elsewhere, that the just shall live by faith, that, that no one is saved by good works. We preach Christ crucified. No one is righteous, no, not one. And it is from that going back, he was able to establish the foundation that God laid for us, and that's the cross, here luther found himself standing on the cross of christ not his own abilities he was never enough but christ is enough and as luther looked back there he found that foundation was the cross it was the word alone trusting in god's word god's promise faith alone not trusting in your good works but your heart in god Grace alone that comes to us freely from a merciful and forgiving God. It was really Christ and Christ alone upon which we stand. So the mantra then of the Reformers, of course, was justification by faith alone. Justification by faith alone. And it wasn't just the mantra. It was the foundation It was the foundational doctrine. In fact, those reformers said, we start chipping at that. We start compromising on that. We start saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, about that. And the whole foundation begins to crumble. Justification by faith alone. That's the doctrine upon which this church and our house of faith either falls or stands. <clears throat> now it's important to understand Luther's motivation. He wasn't doing this just because he had a rebellious heart. He didn't do this because he didn't want to send taxes down to Rome. And he certainly didn't do it because one day he wanted a denomination named after him. In fact, even the German Protestant church today doesn't even say Lutheran. It's Evangelical Church. Don't even use his name. No, the the motivation at first was to save this sorry soul from the foundation that's so rocky and shifting sand. How do I save this soul? And that was to trust Christ and Christ alone. But then that motivation shifted when Luther jacked it up to the next level. Because Luther was not only a professor, he was also a priest in a local parish. And as he looked at his members of his congregation, he realized so many of them, so many of them, were putting their trust in the wrong thing. A piece of paper that they bought for the forgiveness of sins. Some good work that they did last week. Maybe just showing up to church and checking off a box, I'm present. And Luther knew that if you put your trust in anything else, anything else than the cross of Christ, your soul is in peril. That was his strong motivation, to get people to stand firmly on the cross of Christ. It's a good thing that isn't an issue today, right? A while back, I was invited to go down to South Carolina to a small community that had several small, dying, struggling churches. And they asked me to come down and speak about our uh, multi-church, multi-campus ministry. Somehow, trying to figure out a way Can we combine resources? Can we combine ministries, churches, and do something better together than apart? Good idea, right? Good idea. But before we launched into strategies and putting together an action plan, putting together step one, two, three, this is how you get there. You first have to ask the question about why. About why is this important? Um, What is your mission? What do you hope to accomplish? What is unique about your church? What is important about your identity? Who are you as a church? And each congregation got to spend a moment to talk about their mission and who they are and what's their identity. And I heard this. We're 150 years old. That was it. They're just old, all right? Next one. Um... We are a family-oriented church. Now, when I hear family-oriented, I think that we've got a lot of young families, a lot of kids. No, they think we have three families and everybody's related to one another. My great-great-great-granddaddy put the steeple on this church. (coughs) We had four generations who got married in this congregation. We have a cemetery and we ain't going nowhere. That thank you, Mark. We ain't going nowhere. So then I thought about what is what is that mission? What what is that identity? Who are we really as a church? And so I shared with them the story that I had here at Christ Lutheran We came in 98, and at that time, this church was really wrestling with what are we going to do first? Are we going to build a sanctuary or program space or buy land or pay off debt? And after about a year of really struggling with it, we finally decided we need program space, which is the uh, the ministry center over here in 2000. So here I am, 39 years old, been here a year, maybe a year and a half, And I have to tell the charter members, we have to tear down your original sanctuary that stood right on this ground. We have to tear down your original sanctuary so we can build some Sunday school space. How bold or stupid is that? But you know what? To their credit, they said yes. And so I remember this well, the year 2000, we had a two year, no, two-hour decommissioning service, two hours. We sat around, talked about stories about who was buried here, who was buried here, who was the first baptism, who was messing around in the back, back pews and were caught. I mean, we heard all the stories. And then at the end of that, that service, each one walked to the front and grabbed a candle or a Bible or a chalice and we processed it out, recessed it out of the building. The next day, the bulldozers came and tore the place down. And as I watched that whole steeple and everything fall, I thought, no greater love has anyone than this, that they lay down their church for the sake of the other. And those of you who have been here for just kind of a, a shorter period of time, These charter members tore down their original sanctuary for you. Because that was the foundation. They knew that their foundation was not in a history book, or in a pew, or in a pastor, or in a cemetery. They knew that they stood on Christ and Christ alone. And this church had to go out into all the world, Out into all the world. That's why this congregation can tear down an original sanctuary and not hold it up as a museum piece. That's why this congregation can can go over to McClinic for the past 14 years and not think that's somebody else's problem, isn't it? That's why this congregation can buy land surrounding here and add more parking rather than saying, are we big enough? That's why this congregation can add three more campuses rather than saying, let another church be built down there. That's why this church continues to expand because they know, they know that the foundation upon which we stand is not a history book, not a couple of stories, not a steeple, not a cemetery. But that's on Christ and Christ alone. It's on Christ's work, not our own. It's on Christ's accomplishment, not our own. It's on the cross, what has been done for us, not what we could do for God. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the truth is, there's no other name under heaven and upon earth by which we can be saved. The truth is, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one, no not one, comes to the Father except through me. The truth is that in Christ is not just life, but abundant life. And it will set us free. It will set us free. Much like it set Luther free from fear and shame and guilt, it continues to set us free from all that and sin, death, the devil, the hell. It sets us free. So we have Reformation Day today. A favorite day. And, and it's, not, it's not Lutheran History Month or anything like that. We don't go back to glory years and days. We certainly don't gloat over you know, Catholics. That's not it. This is a day in which we reaffirm our foundation. Not the one that we have laid, but the one that God has laid. It's on Christ alone. And today the color is red. Not because it adds a nice pop to the (laughs) service, but because red is the color of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is always propelling, always pushing, always moving forward. So we say today that we are a church of the Reformation because, because we are always Reforming, always changing, always reaching. And the only way we can do that, first by the Holy Spirit, but second, because we stand on a foundation that's not our own. That's not our own. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. It is Reformation Sunday. It's a day to celebrate that foundation. And so we say together, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah.